Welcome to Real Talk JavaScript, the weekly talk show that brings you stories of real-world development from industry experts and developers like you and me. Each week, Ward Bell, Dan Walleen, Craig Shoemaker, and John Papa find out what it takes to write, deploy, and maintain apps that stand up to the demands of the real world. And now, here are your hosts. Welcome back to Real Talk JavaScript. This is episode 102, and it's all about Svelte and TypeScript today. Yes, TypeScript is making its way around the JavaScript and web frameworks, and it's found its way into Svelte. So we have a great guest on today to talk about that. But before we get to our guest, we have the amazing Ward Bell to join us. You know, that's what it says on my business card. <laughs> Uh, amazing. We have um, the even a more amazing Dan Walleen to join us, who's not wearing a blue shirt today. Thank you very much, Dan. I, I'm trying really hard to venture out and explore other colors. I, I'm going to update my business card. That's a great idea, Ward. I, I have to ask you two both, what is a business card? I know. I don't have one either. Hating <laughs> <laughs> myself. You oh, know, we my. used to have those back before electricity. Really? <laughs> we could really go deep into this one today, but we have time being short, and I really want to get to our guest today. Our guest is Orta from the TypeScript team. How are you doing, Orta? Pretty rocking, thanks. How's it going? It's going good. And for those folks out there who may not know too much about Orta, he has had many lives in the tech industry. And his most recent one is he works for Microsoft as a compiler engineer. And ironically, or maybe not ironically, because sometimes I just don't listen well. When he first told me his bio, I thought he said he was a bioengineer on TypeScript, which would have made the conversation much different today, wouldn't it have? I like where that was going. Yeah, I think that's like a fascinating area that is really, we've not been covering that very much on the TypeScript team. We should dig Under, into that. Underserved really area. <laughs> I'm just imagining what would a bioengineer role look like on the TypeScript team? Huh? <laughs> And what happens when the build fails on that one? It's organic. <laughs> you know, one of the things I've always liked about my job uh, and career in technology is I've, all, I've avoided doing anything that would get anybody killed. So like, you know, building an astronaut's um, rocket ship going into space, you know, with the technology or things like that. So bioengineering, not sure that's for me, but uh, more power to you, Orta. <laughs> yeah, nerve wracking stuff. <laughs> So today's topic, I mean, I know we can talk about TypeScript all around the bend, and, and we should do that again sometime, uh, just on that topic. But the thing that fascinates me so much about TypeScript is really since, I forget the date it was, when Angular team announced many years ago that they were shifting to TypeScript to write the whole application, not just to let users consume it with it, uh, TypeScript took a massive turn and up in the usage chart. Uh, and since then, we've got Vue using TypeScript. Uh, Vue 3 is now written in TypeScript, and you can use it with it if you choose. Uh, React, it's not foreign to use TypeScript with React. Obviously, Angular does it. Uh, and there's also just plain old vanilla JavaScript and vanilla TypeScript these days. But Svelte, the new kid in the block, what's going on with TypeScript there? Yeah, Svelte was, is written in TypeScript. But you know, as of last year, uh, there was no support for using Svelte with TypeScript. That is so weird. Yeah, it, it, as a, like, I, it's not a very like it's not JavaScript heavy in a way. It's not like you know you write a JavaScript file and stuff happens around it. 
It's like you write a HTML file and JavaScript is the subset inside that HTML file. So like realistically, there wasn't demand for TypeScript in the same sense as you would on a very large you know, React code base where you're writing JavaScript and then there's a subset of JSX, for example. Um, and so people just, there was a demand, but it wasn't a major massive demand to the extent where like they were feeling like this was critical, we have to do this today. More like we, the Svelte compiler team, just want to keep working on Svelte the compiler and you know make fast websites. What changed your mind? I came out of nowhere um, and told people how to do it. Is realistically the story here. Um, the I'm not well. I'm now kind of on the Svelte core team, but I have never wrote a Svelte website. Uh, I effectively I know Rich Harris from um, from being a New Yorker. I talked to him a few years ago. I got him to come give a an in, uh, talk at the company where I used to work called Artsy on you know what is Svelte and how does it all come together. Um, but slowly and slowly, I just met him at a few different social venues and was eventually just like, "Where's the TypeScript support?" I keep thinking I might dip my toe into this, but like, <laughs> there's no tooling, and like, it's totally natural for people in the JavaScript ecosystem to not necessarily expect like a deep level of tooling integration in the in the um, you know with the software that they use. Like, you know, not expecting autocomplete to be reliable or, you know, to be able to um, know what a, a, a thing is as you are in your editor, but only later when it runs. Um, and so Savelle was just like a normal, you know, it has syntax highlighting, but it doesn't have deep tooling integration. And I'd seen that Vue had figured that out and wondered if maybe Svelte could figure it out in the same way by reusing their answers. Does that mean that before you kind of started doing that, that the people who, what kinds of applications were people building with Svelte? Because uh, let me tell you that I, I'm prejudiced in this fashion. Uh, when when I, as I tool around uh, the country talking to people who you know work for businesses and build business applications, they come from backgrounds that where there's some expectation of having that kind of tooling and some kind of type support. And so they shy, they've shied away from just vanilla JavaScript, and therefore they would have shied away from Svelte, I would have thought. What's your view on that? I think that's totally reasonable. Like, I think that is what a lot of people would have done. I think it's important to kind of reflect on Svelte's perspective on what it's trying to help you build. Like, you know, you, you, you use a big framework like Angular or React when you're building a website that's got a lot of components and moving pieces and a lot of different people. Svelte is very oriented towards like its original use case, which is in the New York Times is sort of individual article pages. Like they want to get rid of as much JavaScript and CSS parsing and things like that, have a static build that you can have for a single contained individual page. Uh, and that's what Svelte's really good at. Wait a minute, wait a minute, hold on a second. You're telling me Svelte, uh, so Svelte was really propelled by New York Times? Yeah. Interesting, they gave up on Backbone, huh? <laughs> yeah, well, I think they have them at different angles, but they probably did give them back one around that kind of time frame. Uh, uh, and so Svelte solves the Can we all have a minute of silence, please? For, for... <laughs> Thank you, thank you. Goodbye, Backbone. backbone. I helped get rid of a lot of Backbone code. I don't miss those days quite as much. Uh, <laughs> I used to do some of that. Hey, too. you know what? It was genius at the time. It was. That's it was. the funny thing. You know, we laugh like we laugh at jQuery. That thing was genius at the time. 
Dan is laughing at jQuery every every month as he gets a check for a jQuery course he's had out there for about 500 years. So, <laughs> you know, and the funny May thing it is, never, it is still popular. Still so accurate. <laughs> May it never die for you, Dan. That's May right. That's right. I don't think it will either. I haven't seen the stats lately, but I'll bet you jQuery is still the most popular used web library out there. Because um, things don't go away. Like, no. They don't. Well, and let's I'm coming into my own as a COBOL programmer, guys. I, I feel I can make some serious bucks revising my COBOL. COBOL JS compiler. There you go. You can write Ooh, There's got to be one. TypeScript around. <laughs> hey, you know, real quick, though. So, you know, one of the things with jQuery, though, is, and, and Backbone, for that matter, is you include a script type. <laughs> and it was easy. Uh, so, I mean, there's, I think there's a reason that those type of things still are around because it's just simplicity. Anyway, I digress. Uh, for those folks out there who listen to our show regularly, uh, you may have heard Rich Harris was a guest on the show recently, who actually Orta has already mentioned that he's a New Yorker uh, like Rich is. And Rich is one of the uh, one of the creators or is the creator of Svelte. So uh, he's amazing on our show and he can tell you all about, um, we had a great conversation about Svelte. I think it was a couple of weeks ago. So definitely check out that episode. Now let's take a quick break for a word from our sponsors. Hey, are you building apps in React, Angular, Node? or some other framework? Well, with NX, you can build your full-stack apps in a shared mono repo, integrate with modern tools, and reinforce best practices. You'll get advanced code generation and automatically configured tooling like Cypress, Jest, and Prettier that will simplify your workflow. NX also helps you simplify the relationships between applications and shared libraries to make it easier to share more code and develop more consistently across teams. And the best part is, you'll build higher quality apps and spend less time on configuration. So visit nx.dev to get Narwhal's popular open source toolkit for monorepo development today. And we're back. So I, I guess one of the big things that we've, we've been talking about so far is like, you know, uh, maybe it's surprising that Svelte has a different, uh, maybe not completely different, but has a, has a slightly different take on how to use and where it's used, as opposed to things like Vue, React, and Angular, which are often used as full-blown apps. Uh, Svelte is, uh, can be done that way, um, and it's very cool that way. I've written a few like that, but it also can be used and is very great for just pieces of a page. Um, so with the tooling, I guess I'm reading a blog post here that you wrote, actually, on the Svelte blog uh, from back in July, and I'll put that in the show notes. Um, how, how did TypeScript infiltrate Svelte? <laughs> and then <laughs> I've seen recently there's some new tooling in VS Code for for Svelte as well. Can you tell us about like what that does? Yeah. Um, so the story of how TypeScript like ended up in Svelte is actually the exact same of how TypeScript ended up in VS Code, right? Like um, a lot of people want editor experiences that are pretty complicated and require understanding JavaScript at a high level. And so what the TypeScript and VS Code team did was make TypeScript run, in, run JavaScript code in your editor and so your JavaScript experience is powered by TypeScript. So when you do, you know, dot completion in VS Code in a JavaScript project, that's TypeScript under the hood doing the work for you. Um, it's just pretending to be a JavaScript uh, version of itself, effectively. So a little bit looser than it would normally be. Um, and like you actually basically had the same problem with uh, Svelte. You would have a script tag, and you had normal JavaScript in there, and um, there needed to be some engine to provide like auto completion inside that. 
And it would not be a shock to find out that that is actually TypeScript. Um, there have been people that had, had a few explore, explorations at trying to merge these uh, TypeScript into Svelte, uh, or mark, uh, the TypeScript as JavaScript mode into Svelte so that everyone gets JavaScript support. Um, and what I did when I arrived at sort of the problem domain was look at all these different extensions that were trying to do um, the, like JavaScript inside JavaScript autocomplete inside Svelte files uh, and found like a set of them that would work well together and sort of pulled out this core from them. So to get an understanding of like what we built to make all this work, there's a thing called a language server protocol, which is how editors talk to like programming languages. So, you know, there is an LSP is what we call them. So you'll hear me use that a few times. Um, an LSP is sort of how C Sharp talks to, uh, you know, Visual Studio, Visual Studio, uh, Visual Studio Code. It's how TypeScript talks to any different editor in the world. Uh, an editor just has to support LSP, and a language just has to support LSP, and it's a protocol for sending messages between them. So what we did was we effectively made a Svelte LSP. So it's a collection of smaller LSPs inside it. The biggest one at the outset is HTML, and then it can have a CSS one inside, and it can have a uh, JavaScript or TypeScript one inside that too. And so the LSP for Svelte now knows which L like LSP, sub-LSP to send the request to. So if you're inside a script tag inside HTML, then you'll get JavaScript completions that's either powered by TypeScript or powered by uh, the JavaScript mode in in TypeScript, depending on whether you've asked for TypeScript support. And so we now have an extension that uses that LSB in VS Code uh, that then gives the, all of the tooling powers uh, that's just available for everyone. So Vim users now have the same LSP, so they get all the same tooling experience that we built for TypeScript support automatically. And all JavaScript users using that VS Code extension, they get all this tooling for free too. And in my opinion, this is the first thing you should install. If you're a Svelte, React, Angular, Vue user, and you're using VS Code uh, or Vim or any of these, the first thing you should look for is that extension that's uh, built using the language service for that editor because it just lights up all the features that you're going to be using inside of there. We've dropped the link to that in the show notes for folks. Like you say, you truly have not lived as a developer until you used one of these language services, though, because it's one of those things I think you don't know what you're missing. Um, and then once you use it, like you said, everything just lights up and your productivity is amazing. So hopefully everybody has those installed, but if you don't, yeah, check out the links. Yeah. Like my background as a native developer, like I came from the Apple ecosystem where Apple, you know, they, they, they create restricted, but very tightly coupled, uh, tools a bit like how visual studio is well loved as like this, you know, you don't download the C sharp compiler separately from visual studio. You just have one single tool. Like JavaScript isn't one single tool. It is like a million small things composed together, but some, but like you really do want that experience of having a tightly integrated development environment. Uh, and like the LSP and the VS Code extensions all sort of give you a way to sort of integrate that together at a nice like abstraction level for each problem domain. Uh, Orta, are you still in touch with the, like if the progenitor of this was the New York Times? Um, and you might be in touch with those people. How have they responded to the availability of a TypeScript uh, development option? Is it something that, because, you know, sometimes I worry, you know, um, 
uh, you know, something was suited for one purpose and it was designed for that purpose to make those people effective. And then somebody comes along and says, Ooh, I have a great idea. I want to extend it everywhere. Uh, ha ha ha. And then they feel like their baby's been taken away from them and it doesn't work so well for them. How have they responded to this? So that was actually, uh, it took me a while to pitch what I think TypeScript support should look like in Svelte in part because, um, I didn't want to affect the compiler of Svelte in a way that forces TypeScript support in, in many different areas. Um, and so it's, it's interesting that all the TypeScript support is only in your editor. It is never in the compiler. So it's all this like extra features of like uh, auto-completion and type error messaging and things like that, that only appears at the highest level in your editor and doesn't actually appear at the lowest level. So effectively, we've added TypeScript support without fundamentally changing the internals of Svelte in a way that like could affect the sort of perspective of sort of the core maintainers of it. Um, to my knowledge, like almost all of them have installed the, the Svelte extension, and regardless of whether they're using JavaScript or TypeScript at this point, they're getting all the tooling and they use it and file bug reports for like their own applications. So my assumption is. They want to go from having no autocomplete to having autocomplete, which I think is a very reasonable move. Um, and that's, that was the advantage. Like, you know, we just provide the exact same to, uh, experience as it was previously, but there's a tooling layer that lives on top of it. And that's a completely separate repo ran by completely different people that has a whole different level of automation around it. So what's been, uh, have you had much feedback yet from people on, that have taken advantage of this? I'm guessing the feedback's been very positive, but any comments on that? Yeah, I mean, uh, when I when I pitched it, uh, I originally thought it would just be, you know, we'll, we'll just get some TypeScript support in and it'll be good. Um, but it turns out that, like, there was a lot of pent-up frustration about the lack of TypeScript support in, uh, in Svelte. I think quite a lot of people just considered it an outright blocker for their adoption. Um, I would have, for sure. I, would, I, I don't think I would build anything serious in any uh, JavaScript-based language without something like this. Uh, that's that's how far I've come, and, I, and it's not because I don't know JavaScript either. I agree. I see. I'll give you the I'll give you the spit on that. Uh, I love TypeScript, but for Svelte, a lot of the stuff I'm building is so small. And, and frankly, I'm like I'm looking at one of my Svelte apps right now, and I'm like, what would this look like in TypeScript? And I'm like, I've got one line of code there. I've got four here. Um, I've got a function and an export in this one. I'm like. That making this into TypeScript, I don't know if it really would actually right. change my mind because the app I'm building, and, and obviously it's a small app, but you know, looking at this, I'm like, huh, I wonder what it would look like in here. And I don't think it would change a lot. Let me walk through some of these. You tell me if I'm wrong, Ward, because I've never done it. I've never done TypeScript in Svelte. So I've got a Svelte file, which uh, for those of you not familiar with Svelte, you use a .svelte file. That is your single file component. And inside of there, I've got some JavaScript right now. Uh, I assume I would just change that to TypeScript right there. Yep, so just script on. tag equals TypeScript or something like that. Lang equals TypeScript, that's it. Okay, so in the script tag, I just say lang equals TypeScript or TS or whatever the syntax yep. is. Uh, there's a main.js file. I assume that turns into main.ts. You could if you wanted, yeah. Oh, but you don't have to because TypeScript supports JavaScript because JavaScript is TypeScript. Uh, and what about the rollup config JS? Uh, does that change? Well, it depends if you want to start shipping .ts files, right? If you don't, then that's totally fine because, you know, they could be external functions that you pull in. 
Okay. If you don't, that's fine. If you do, then that's okay too. You and I assume there's something in the package, Jason, that will change in the build process. Uh, so Svelte knows that they're, I mean, because you have to compile your TypeScript to JavaScript somewhere, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, most, uh, most people ship a thing called uh, Svelte uh, preprocess, which is used for doing SCSS and things like that. Um, yeah. As part of building this, this language tools, we've turned that into an official sort of project from the Svelte team now. This file preprocess already handled TypeScript. And so it now, if you already have it installed, it's already working. Gotcha. And I see in your blog post, you're saying that part of the NPM install is to install TypeScript, obviously, and then Svelte preprocess, um, and also Svelte check. What does Svelte check do? Right. So I've mentioned a lot of times that it's all in your editor, right? And if the only compiler errors you get live inside your editor, how are you ever going to put it on CI or how are you ever going to truly know that your, uh, your code is actually working correctly? Um, and Svelte check is that. So it's basically like, it, it's a clever idea that I took from the Vue ecosystem. It's like a small CLI that opens up a language server and then just pings all of the Svelte files and say, hey, can you tell me any errors you've got? So, gotcha. and that just runs on the CI and then you use that to verify your, uh, your project. Well, that kind of brings me to my last question about how this project would change. Uh, one of the differences in Svelte app versus Vue, React, and Angular is that the other three all, you start with the CLI. They have a CLI and they do various different things. There's overlap and some do more, some do less. But with Svelte, the first thing was uh, generally in the docs, they say to use uh, DGIT. DGIT, yeah. Yeah, D-E-G-I-T, which I mean, assume means like, like D. Get. <laughs> <That> get. <laughs> oh, <my>. yeah. <laughs> Dog get. It's <laughs> basically just clones a repo without all the git history and all that as a template, as a starting point, which is fine, but there is no CLI to do the other stuff like build or lint or, you know. So I guess that's what spell check is, is kind of doing part of that as well. Yeah. There was okay. part of my original pitch was to create some sort of Svelte CLI that's like Svelte build or something like that. And it, it's something that the team have back and forth on a lot. And realistically, they just can't agree on whether they want to have one or not. And so that bottle will be pushed down that mountain for a very long time. So you know, we just made I'm a new thing. I'm very sympathetic. To me, the, the fact that a language needs a CLI is an indicator of complexity and lack of transparency which, by the way, sometimes is necessary. Like, you know, I mean, sometimes things are just complicated and you need it. But it's the same about documentation. I, I, I don't want to have to have any documentation. Uh, that doesn't mean I'm against documentation. It, it means if I can build something that doesn't need it, it's, uh, then that's an indicator of simplicity. And it sounds like Svelte has a lot of simplicity. It does, yeah. They, they, their goal is to be very composable. So, you know, we talked about rollup config, but, you know, other people use Webpack and, you know, they don't want to be sort of forcing down a road where right now there are so many bundlers trying new things that maybe, um, you know, the new view uh, Vite bundler is the one that wins out uh, and you know, Svelte deciding today that Rollup is the thing because it's the same original author. They're just trying to avoid, um, you know, yeah. being sure of what they, they what it should be. That's the good side and the bad side of Svelte being so simple. I know I learned Svelte in four hours and wrote an app and I was thrilled with it. And, and I shared this with, with Rich Harris. One of the first things I found, though, that was a little bit um, confusing was that, okay, by default, the 
hello world page on the Svelte site says, go ahead and uh, use the Git on this repo, you get rollup. Okay, I'll use rollup instead of Webpack. That's fine with me. Later on, I found out I wanted to use a feature that Webpack had and rollup didn't happen to support and I forget what it was. Uh, and then, you know, basically reading further, people are like, well, you should have used this repo instead of that one. I'm like, well, and anybody who's done this before where they've taken an app they've already generated and started working on it for a couple of days, and then there are people are like, oh, go start with this other repo instead as a template. Now you're trying to transfer files over and make sure it works. And that was not fun. Uh, and then, you know, you just keep going down this road. So I guess the thing I do like about a CLI is minimally, I like to know, you know, I like what Vue does with theirs, frankly. I think it's my favorite CLI. Uh, you know, they're like, hey, what do you want in this app? Maybe have it say, do you want Rollup? Do you want Webpack? Or do you want Vite? Uh, you know, do you want TypeScript or do you want JavaScript? The basic questions, right, of where you want to start. Um, and even if I don't use those things, the first thing I do with a lot of these CLIs is I generate empty projects just to go look to see what did they do? Yeah. Like, how do they differ? What files are they adding for me? Because uh, So I, I, I will go the opposite direction, which isn't unusual from Warden Dan. I kind of like having something that does the work for me, but... Oh, I, I like it. I think, as a matter of fact, let me be very clear. Just like I like documentation. <laughs> it's, no, just a, it's just the, the, pres- <laughs> the presence, the, the, the presence and volume of all that stuff is an indicator that the, of how much it takes to get your arms around something. Yes. So, the you know, um, uh, I love a product that arrives at my door and I open the box and I don't and I know how to use it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No programming language or framework has ever met that standard, but I'm. I, but it's 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 something. It, it's a goal in some sense. But isn't this whole conversation really about the JavaScript ecosystem? As Orta said earlier, there's so many things going on in the JavaScript ecosystem that if you support them all, you will die in complexity. Right? There's all these different options, um, and which ones should you support? Which is why I think it's fascinating that TypeScript is a thing floating around in the ecosystem. I saw that coming. Yeah. yeah. We have 100 <laughs> compiler flags right now. I've documented all of them and uh, there will be more. I've already added two since I've joined this year. Hmm. You know, my favorite thing about Angular, I'm going to do a quick Angular diversion here because uh, I was looking at an Angular project recently and now I have like four TS config files in a Hello World Angular project. Yeah. yeah I've seen and I'm like, you know, they've got the inherited no. TS config and the yeah. end-to-end TS config and... God help me. We just went through <laughs> that with a React project because the project, uh, the team is using a base. And then that gets inherited into this. And then that another one gets pulled into here. And you're just like, geez, can't we just have one? It's like no transparency. You can't look in one place to say, what's my settings? You know, what's my thing? Yeah. Well, there is a command for that exactly. Uh, is there? You can do. Yeah. Like t- TSC def show config. And then the path to your TS config will will show you the fully resolved. TS config for well, that's that. That's a nice trick. Oh, that's well, we so, got to put that in the show notes. Yeah. We got to put that command in there. That's yeah, I only found nice out from the guy food. that made it yesterday. <laughs> What's the command again? <laughs> TS config dash dash. Show config. One word. I think it's camel case. TSC. I foresee a blog post coming from Dan. Config. I'm have to look. No, that's that would be that's a real killer trick. Yeah. Speaking of of the various ways you configure TypeScript. Um, there's a fascinating uh, dilemma out there about whether it's a good thing to lock it all down, go strict, 
or whether you just say party on any, you know, and um, I'm, I'm wondering where you are on that spectrum. I'm glad you called it a spectrum because that's actually how I describe it too. Um, we have, remember, like anyone using JavaScript in VS Code and Visual Studio, they're using TypeScript under the hood. So that is the furthest edge of like the sort of people we support all the way to strict. Uh, and honestly, I think it depends on the size and the scope and the responsibilities of your code base. We talked earlier about not wanting to, you know, have build medical things with TypeScript, but people do it and they sure as hell turn on every possible strict option they can. And we've got to a point where even on TypeScript, if you look at the upcoming release notes for the next uh, version we're planning, we're thinking of making something that's even stricter than strict. And we don't have a name for it, I know. I was like, what is the name going to be? <laughs> yeah, that's like... Uh, yeah, I, yeah, it, 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 one of them is you're not allowed to wear white after Labor Day. <laughs> right? Um, and you know, there's some names like maybe pedantic mode, maybe uh, rigorous mode. We haven't figured it out, but it's like there are people that, that you know. There's there's behaviors in JavaScript that are acceptable if you know what you're doing, but we generally just think you probably should want a warning about this. An easy one is like, um, you know, if I pull an object out of an array, uh, it, you know, with an index. In TypeScript, we just say that you, that object exists, right? We're going to assume that you've done the checking. But a rigorous mode in TypeScript would demand that you prove that that is, that that is a real value at that point. And maybe that's too far for most people, right? It's a normal like, language. Show your license or passport to, to prove yep. it. I mean, okay. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Two forms to prove your identity. <laughs> now, to be honest, so much code is written where uh, undefined and null value, you, you, I mean, those are, those are really valuable. And you want, but what you're saying is that I declare, look, uh, if this returns undefined, that's exactly one of the conditions I'm looking for. But if I don't declare that, you're going to catch me and say, hey, you, you didn't tell me that you were going to do that. That was a possibility. Is that yeah, the idea? And even from normal things, like not stuff that you wouldn't think about, like, you know, Getting getting an object out of the array like that is now gonna in, in rigorous mode that will be an undefined all the object not just the object like it has always been. And right now it's time for a rigorous moment from a word from our sponsors. So John, one of the things I like about AG Grid, which is a, a data grid component for the kind of complex uh, grid scenarios that we encounter all the time in enterprise apps. One of the things I really like about it is that it works for a variety of frameworks, Angular, React, Vue, or, or just vanilla JS. Does that ring a bell for you? Oh, it really does. There's all these different companies that I work with where they have no choice but to use a lot of these different tools because they have different teams working on them. So being able to port their code or share that code and that technical investment they have is really important to them. Yeah, well, it's important to us, uh, ideally, and we're a consulting company. And, you know, we never know what our client's going to want to use, Angular, React, Vue. But they're all going to need a grid. And it's great to be able to reach for uh, the one grid that works everywhere, AG Grid. You know, at, at any size company, too, because you could have these teams that maybe they only use one framework, but eventually they're going to switch to another one and be able to take that investment again and use it, reuse it is really nice. So if a multi-framework data grid makes sense to you, please. Go check out AG Grid at ag-grid.com. And we're back. And you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna drop this bomb because 
on Twitter, at least it seems like once a month, somebody asked the question, you know, should we even allow any, should, do you use any or don't you use any? Uh, and there's usually a flood of people going on about never use any, and they have all these reasons why. And I always type in, I never say never. And if somebody has any in a project of mine, I'm not going to fire them. I'm not going to beat them up and I'm not going to give them a code review flag of any kind. And it's okay. It's, it's okay. And then they come back with, Usually the first answer back is, well, what if you have 3,000 Ennies in your project? I, said, I didn't say 3,000. <laughs> but I think, you know, I, I like to have room for things because a lot of my work in the past, I've had a project that I've inherited in some way. And you get a bunch of code and sometimes I take JavaScript over to TypeScript. And the effort of actually taking things to not use any anymore sometimes is just too much. Uh, because I've seen code, and Ward and I, we, we were a project I'm thinking of right now, years ago, where we, we allowed an array, we allowed an object, we allowed undefined, we allowed a function as the same parameter. And maybe that wasn't the right thing to do, okay? But it exists. And, you know, what do I do? Create a union type of all four of those? And is there really any value in that? I don't know. It, particularly if you write anything that's got sort of um, an infrastructure or a tooling project where people can throw stuff at you and... You just got to do the right thing, but you can't know what it is. Uh, any is your friend. Uh, anybody who says you can't use any uh, ever is not written real code. <laughs> I just used it today, yeah. Ward, so that's good to hear. <laughs> so, so is there going to be a mode order called rigorous except for two any's? Like allow two any's. Well, actually, that does bring us up another discussion we've had before, which is there are a lot of places in TypeScript where we give you an any, but what about if instead of giving you an any, we give you an unknown? And an unknown, you cannot use like an any. You have to prove what it is. And again, it's very strict, and it might be a bit rigorous for those, but there's a lot of cases where it could be. That's a good point. Well, well, what's the difference? This is like the difference between null and undefined. It took me a long time to Wait, get around Wait, is this any, that. unknown, never, or... <laughs> what, what, is <laughs> unknown, what is unknown that... What does unknown have that any doesn't? Okay, so if you think of any as being like, I don't care about the type system from this point on within this object, right? Like I can do any.b.c.e.f. Unknown is the opposite. It's like, this is a point where the type system ends, but you have to prove what the next step is. So like, let's say, um, let's say you had your API where the, you, you, there's a function coming in, there's an object coming in, there's anything. Uh, so you just write unknown instead of, uh, instead of function, a union of all these different types. Inside your function now, you have to prove before you can use it in any type of way. So you have to be like, is this an object? Uh, is this a string? Is this a thing? And because it's an unknown, it'll force you into uh, doing the type checking after it's hit that boundaries. Ah. So, and it works very well, I might add, because I hit that a fair amount. <laughs> you can't <laughs> yeah, like, cast it. You have to prove, like you said, or cast it or whatever to the type you want. Yep. Yeah. The best way to think about it is JSON parsing, right? Like. You take a string and it returns an any. And in some worlds, like there is definitely a case for saying that should return unknown. And you have to prove the object is what you think that object is before you start using it instead of just you know dotting afterwards. Is that existing TypeScript already? I missed that one. I missed that memo. Yeah, the key the keyword unknown, the, the, the primitive exists in there. So you should be able to look that up and have a good As time. As a matter of fact, it. I have seen that in the uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I said, what the heck is unknown? Man, you turn well, you turn around. I turn around, and you can miss something here. <laughs> let's let's go through the basic example that's on that page there, or if you don't mind, I'm, and I'm linking to it in the show notes. There's an unknown in here, and the example shows let 
and they call the variable not sure. <laughs> and I then they wrote def- that. <laughs> you wrote the go. Okay. Let not sure colon unknown equals four. So that defines uh, what is it called again? Not sure. Not sure as a value sure. of four. Yep. The very next line says not sure equals, and it sets it to a string. Yep. That's okay. That's okay. Because so you're it, not sure what that is yet. <laughs> when do I when do I get sure? When I assign it to something else? When you use it. So assignment point is totally fine, right? Because you're you, you still don't know what it is when you're reading it, but you can just keep writing to it because it's unknown at that point. Okay, so as many assignments as we do, we're good. It's just when I use it like an if statement as the expression or something else like that. Yeah, okay. you can see that on the next code example. Yep. Very cool. The docs are great for this, folks. Um, I dropped it in there. It's called TypeScript Basic Types. Check that out. You can look up any and unknown right in there. And we're all pausing here. Moment of silence because we're all checking out this sample here. <laughs> so these docs are docs that I rewrote. These, these are all like, these, these came out two weeks ago. These docs are compiler-powered documentation. Those underlines, that is the real TypeScript compiler telling you the real error messages. Um, wow, so when impressive. we update our version, if we get better error messages, they'll be updated in that too. I love that. I right. love that. That was when we wrote uh, our first documentation system for Angular, we had the rule that every code sample had to actually compile. Um, now, we couldn't compile it right there We ran because we weren't using TypeScript, but, but everything was actually extracted from uh, sample applications that uh, we had tests written over and indent tests written over so that we knew that if we changed anything, we broke it, the docs would break too. Or they would update one way or the other. Yeah, it's perfect. In this case as well, especially with TypeScript being such a sort of somewhat dynamic language, like, you know, the same, the same identifier can be different in different places. Um, being able to have the hover support so you can mouse over these code samples and it will show you what the variable is a lot like how your editor would. Oh, that's And great. having that in the code, static code samples with the compiler-backed errors, it gives you a really tight understanding of some of the more complicated things. Like that unknown one is a really great example because it's unknown, but then if you look at the if statement and then look at the bit after it, it stops being called unknown. It becomes, you know, a string. Um, string or whatever. Yeah, I'm looking at it now. That's awesome. Or to switching back to Svelte for a minute, I'm reading through your blog posts, and something I, I glossed over, and I shouldn't have done so, uh, especially for our, our listeners, is that if they start with a Svelte project right away, the template they would use, would that be different from the basic templates that, that they normally use? Um, and then when they add TypeScript to it, or is there a different TypeScript template to start with? So this was also a debate I had, um, which was, should I fork the, uh, the template and start adding all this extra stuff? Uh, and instead, what I opted to do is there is a script file in the default template that converts it to a TypeScript template. Gotcha. So okay, because it, it looks like it's the step. base. Yeah, because yeah. it's still just the spell.js slash template. That's the yep. basic template. Okay, and then if you're using Sapper, I see a note down below about Sapper as well. It looks like you also support um, Svelte and Sapper using TypeScript. Yeah, that took a little bit more time because Sapper... Like, you know, both of them have require quite a little bit of magic in how the binding system works. Um, and so we wanted Svelte first, and then Sapper was further down the line. I think All it took right, like... I'll bite. What's Sapper? I knew you were <laughs> going to ask. So I was waiting for you to just ask the question. Uh, I'm, I'm happy to play the dumb guy in the room. That's my, that's my role. Very reasonable. Oh, um, that's, that's so Sapper. <laughs> <laughs> Sapper is effectively the static site builder for, um, for Svelte. 
So if you wanted to build like a more complicated website, then you would be using Sapper. Mm. Sort of like, you know, how Ruby on Rails is like the way in which you combine Ruby to make a sort of Rails-ish system. Sapper does that as well. I think we, did we talk about that a little with Rich? John, I'm trying to remember. I think we did. Uh, we, we did. We, we talked about uh, Nuxt and Vue and, and Next and React and kind of how Sapper and Svelte. So, and they all use the same. That's, that's actually kind of cool. So instead of calling it, was it Nuxt and Next? What would you call it with Svelte? Svext? Next. <laughs> <laughs> that's a weird word. <laughs> yeah, but you'd be Svext by it, though, you know? Yeah, it's, like, it's like a doing oh. word. <laughs> I like that vexed. Just go with that. It's a silent S. <laughs> so is there a, a sort of a, an equivalent to NGRX or any of these sort of uh, data management, uh, a client-side data management uh, tools is in the Svelte world, or is that not something you do? There's kind of, I think it's, it's pretty generic, the actual Svelte store, I believe, the, is your sort of official one. But, you know, there are people that use the view store as well. I think that there's not a lot of um, sort of dogma about what that should look like when you're trying to store, uh, store variables at a larger scale than a single component. Um, because, you know, they have their own pattern for handling it in the, in the same file that makes it very easy through bindings. But once you're starting to sort of coordinate a lot of them, then you would probably look to some sort of store and there's a default sample one, uh, felt one. Yeah, I dropped some notes in there for it as well. And, Hey, Orta, I want to thank you for coming on today to, to share so much about TypeScript and Svelte and Sapper. And since we've come up with some new words like rigorous mode and <laughs> I, I call that black tie. Black tie? <laughs> black tie. Formal. Black tie mode. <laughs> yeah. All right. I'll put that as the TS config option for it. <laughs> yeah, just, just call up Anders and say, you know, we, we have a new, new name for our TS config. And there we go. Black tie. And we'll let you off the hook for adding 4,000 flags to the tsconfig file. So. You're welcome. Yeah, that's one big <laughs> markdown file to read. <laughs> it does, does get up there. But uh, it was really great talking with you today. We'd like to end our show with uh, final thoughts for our listeners. And these can be on topic about TypeScript and Svelte or anything that's on your mind lately. And I will start with Mr. Dan Walleen. What is your final thought, Dan? My final thought is... Uh... I hope everyone going through, I, you know, we have enough going on right now in life. And uh, here in the U.S., we just had a hurricane hit. I know my manager was actually affected by it. He doesn't have any power right now, last I checked. So my thought is to hang in there if you're in those modes, because uh, I think all of us are at that point where, I don't know, you're just kind of like, enough already. But I guess the comfort I get is, you know, I'll talk to you guys and others and, Realize that we're not in it alone and, uh, you know, hang in there. I guess is my final message. That's great. And Ward, what's your final thought for our listeners today? Uh, my thought is that we should all get more sleep because I know, or at least I should get more sleep because I'm doing too many three in the mornings. I am running out of thoughts. Uh, and like Dan, though, I'm also, you know, I come from the land of fire right here. In you Dallas, do. That's right. Uh, we set a record of 650 separate fires Ooh. a week. Um, so, uh, but, um, so I feel for those folks that are affected by it. Um, but, uh, hang in there. Yeah. It's life and, uh, enjoy each other. That's, that's my thought. Not a very tech thought. Yeah. Thank you. And Orda, what's your fair, final thought for our listeners today? Uh, I've got three of them. Black Lives Matter. Try the TypeScript community discord. 
I've just started using YouTube. Follow me on YouTube. Like and subscribe. <laughs> All right, definitely drop your, uh, yeah, get your link there in the show notes for YouTube. Yeah, sure, I'll put it in. What are you doing on YouTube? What are you talking about? Uh, so I've got two main focuses. One is um, why technologies get built. So if you want to know why Signal was made or why Git was made, like I sort of talk about the cultural areas at the time and what why people were like using that one over other things and how it won out. Oh. Um, and then the other one is just, you know, more like a blog. So uh, just interesting deep dives into things that I think are cool. Yeah, I just searched for Orda on YouTube and I found probably everything that's not you, quite frankly. <laughs> so I'll wait till you to drop the link into the show notes and our listeners can check that out. And, uh, my final thought for today is that, you know, there's, there's all these technologies that we introduce every week on the show, and we tend to talk about maybe a dozen or so in each episode. Uh, and again, I, I've said this before, but I want to repeat it for everybody out there that it's not, being successful in this industry doesn't mean you have to know what everything is. It doesn't even mean you need to even heard of all of these words all the time. No, you just have to have the acronyms. You have to just Buzzword bingo. If you've got that, you've got a career in IT. You know, it's really good to, it's nice if you know what these things are, but it does not, it's not going to affect your career so greatly that if you don't know what some of these things are, you can ignore them. And sometimes the best advice you can really get is when something new comes out, if you're busy on a work project and you're working something through and you've got deep deadlines and you hear about something new like Sapper and Svelte, for example, and TypeScript, put it aside, make yourself a note. I keep a nice little field notes uh, book next to me. It's a three inch by two inch book. I write a note in there about something that interests me that day. And sometimes I go back three, four, five months later. And I look at that when I do have time. Uh, it's not something you have to keep up with all the time uh, with the peer pressure we have on social media and the rest of the world. So far more important things out there like Black Lives Matter is Orta said. So I'll second you on that. Uh, so with that, thank you all for listening to us yet again, another week of Real Talk JavaScript. Can't believe we're past 100 episodes. Uh, Orta, thanks for coming on. And we're going to invite you back formally to talk more about TypeScript uh, in the Ooh. future. Hope you'll Fabulous. be willing to join us. Love it. Thanks, everybody, again. And we'll see you and you'll hear from us every Tuesday morning. Thanks for listening to Real Talk JavaScript. This show and all of our shows are available at www.realtalkjs.com with links and notes. John and Ward would love to hear what you think, especially about potential guests and topics for future shows. Follow and send them a message on Twitter at RealtalkJS. <laughs>